Hey, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Ashley. And you're listening to All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We want to create a space for all bodies to come together authentically and purposefully to discuss various areas that impact us on a cultural and relational level. We believe that all bodies and all foods are welcome. We would love for you to join us on this journey. Let's learn together. Hello, everybody. Ashley and Sam here. Welcome back to another episode of All Bodies, All Foods. I am super excited today because we have one of my friends and a fellow therapist, Mackenzie Fox, on the show with us today. Mackenzie is a therapist in the Nashville area who specializes in the treatment of body image concerns, anxiety, and depression, including co-occurring disorders, eating disorders, substance abuse, and trauma. She serves as the Director of Operations for The Collective, a treatment center focused on social health and connection, and she is heavily involved in activism efforts bringing awareness and raising support for the eating disorder recovery community in the local Nashville area, and particularly for folks in fat and plus size bodies. So Mackenzie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so we're excited to talk to you today, um, kind of about kind of about the work that you do, um, your advocacy efforts, and things like that. So I'm just curious if you could kick us off with sharing a little bit more of information about yourself, um, kind of how you became a therapist, and specifically how you started working with eating disorders and body image issues. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love it. Um, yeah. Like you said, I, uh, I'm a therapist in the Nashville area um, and I've been working in this field kind of in this capacity for about three years. Um, I, I feel like I always sort of felt like the sensitive kid. Um, and that led me yeah. to in college, like really leaning into that, to that sort of empathetic um, piece about me and studying psychology, studying sociology I was really obsessed with just like learning about people um, and then graduated and went into like a totally different career field. <laughs> um, and so I ended up at that same time sort of struggling with my own eating disorder that took a long time to sort of label uh, what that was. And I think as I began to do my own work, it kind of clicked like, oh, I want to do this. Um mm. So I went back to school and I sort of knew that I wanted to work with eating disorders already, really based a lot on my own experience of, of being a fat person who was really celebrated for my eating disorder behaviors for a long time. Um, oh, can you say a little bit more about that, Mackenzie? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think for me growing up, I've always been in a plus size body. Um, mm -hmm. And so as I was participating in behaviors and my body was starting to change to be a little bit more um, sort of what the socially preferred body is, I was really praised for like, oh my God, you're like following this diet, you're exercising this much. Um, oh, and so yeah. it took me, I think, a lot longer to recognize that those behaviors were really um, disordered. Yeah. Gotcha. Th this yeah. happens to so many people getting praised, not only by peers, but even sometimes by doctors. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think for me, I can even remember a time to going to my doctor, I think after I had sort of identified like, oh, I think this is what I'm struggling with. Um, 
and telling him sort of the things that were going on for me. And he really ended up kind of passing that off as something to maybe not be concerned about. Mm. Um, So then I went back again and kind of shared again what my concerns were. And he ended up diagnosing me with binge eating disorder, um, which was not what I was struggling with at all. Like I was very heavy with restriction. And so there's, um, there's weight stigma right in practice. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of the first time that I was sort of faced with like, Oh, this is yeah. Weight stigma kind of at work. Wow. I'm sure there's so many listeners out there that can relate to this. Yeah. It's like, why is it that weight loss, no matter how it happens is considered healthier than not losing yeah. weight. Yeah. It's like, can we change this narrative? And it's still happening out there in in the medical field, in the mental health field. It's just wild. Yeah. Mackenzie, by the way, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was front row at your talk <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> I was just, that's, I, I learned so much. And so thank you so much for that. But um, yeah. you do so much work around um, supporting fat folks. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say, I know there's probably listeners out there that are like, why are they even saying the word fat? Like they think fat is a bad word. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping you can say a little bit about that too. Yeah. I mean, I think historically, um, fat has kind of been weaponized as like this bad thing that we're not supposed to be. Um, and for me, I think, especially when I'm working with clients, I always want to kind of like pause and be like, how do you feel about this word? Um, because I think there's so much wrapped up into it. Um, there has been a big movement within the last probably 15 to 20 years to really sort of take back um, the word fat and and let it be one, just something about us, right? That I am a person that exists in a fat body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also to like not... It, not let it be as weaponized against folks in larger bodies as well. I'm curious, what have you seen as far as um, kind of in that movement? How have you seen the community or your clients respond? Um, How have their families responded? You know, it's, I'm asking because it feels like such a cultural shift, such a Mm -hmm. change from using air quotes here, like the norm of what we've come to learn as a society, you know, or maybe I'm talking about myself, you know, being in my late thirties, but like, um, I'm just, I'm so curious how people, community clients, family have responded to this, um, shift. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, like, as I started working with this specific population, um, I I think I noticed that I was encountering a lot of clients who had similar experiences, as I had, um, that it had just been like really detrimental to them. Um, I'm really accustomed to working with systems, but as a therapist, um, I'm usually focused on like working with family systems or, you know, what, how are you existing just in sort of like your immediate vicinity? Um, but for us, a lot of these clients, I was having to take, take a step back and look at like the larger system, which is our culture. Um, Mm -hmm. and I found that it was honestly pretty sickening which is like these folks who are fighting like a battle with an eating disorder are also living in a society that kind of pins their, their bodies as a thing that we should be fearful of um, or hate or actively work against. 
Um, and this mm-hmm. is really like an added layer, like a hurdle in recovery um, that certainly is not necessarily unique to folks in, in larger bodies. Um, I think this is an intersectional issue, but it is really outside of the norm of what we're taught about eating disorders um, and sort of like the messaging that we have sort of historically received on social media. Yeah. And so when I'm talking about this, especially with like my clients, families or um, people they might interact with, or honestly, my own family, (laughs) Um, thinking about like the sort of phrase that I have is like fat is a noun, fat is an adjective, but like fat is not an insult. Yeah. Mm. How has that changed? I don't know. I want to ask like, how's that changed, you know, your trajectory in general, but like even thinking about your family and your friends, Mackenzie, like how is that how has that shifted? How has that changed? And did it take yeah. a while? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of constantly changing. Um, okay. you know, I think I have the, the, the folks in your, in your family, in your friend group, in your system, whoever you interact with that, that may n- never truly get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, And I think a lot of that goes back to just the struggles that they might also be having with their own body. Um, Mm -hmm. Because regardless of whether you have an eating disorder, struggling with disordered eating, people always exist in a body. So you're always going to have body image concerns. Um, So it's not like I'm just talking about this one thing that only I experience, right? So when I'm using the word fat um, to describe myself, other people are going to have responses to that based on their own kind of relationship with the word. Um, And so a lot of what I do, especially with my friends, because they're amazing and I love them and (laughs) they were so supportive, especially during my early recovery, is just education. I think about a particular story in general with my, I have a goddaughter. um, She's eight now, but this probably happened when she was four. And um, she ran up to me and she like put her hands on my belly and she said, wow, your belly's so big. Right. And just uh-huh. like the fascination in her, her eyes. And I was like, yeah, it is. And her mom kind of snapped and she's like, don't say that. Like, that's not okay. You know, mm-hmm. because culturally, right. Like, yes, we don't want kids necessarily commenting on people's bodies, but I was able to, in that moment, kind of use that as a learning lesson also for her mom of like, my goddaughter didn't see that as a negative thing. She was just pointing right. out something about me. Um, yeah. But even in like her mom's response to that, is what sort of yeah. gave her that message that somehow this isn't okay. Yeah. Um, and so I think even in those moments, it's, you know, and my friend, she's amazing. She was able to hear it. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. sort of there's those little teaching moments there um, for your, for your friends and family. That's really helpful yes. to hear. Um, and I'm just thinking of everybody as well. That's <laughs> kind of listening in. I hope that, that they're feeling something that they can relate to with, um, this story and what you just shared. So thank you. Oh, I think it'd be so helpful for parents who sometimes just yeah. have no idea what to say. Yeah. And there's, so, I love how you framed this. It's like, there's a big difference between saying, you know, don't, don't call people big or don't call body parts big compared to maybe we don't comment on bodies. Yeah. Like even oh, those right. two statements mm-hmm. ha- like carry entirely different messages, yeah. you know, and, and really, one comment teaches that certain types of bodies are bad in some way. Mm-hmm. And then right. the other comment is more about boundaries, more about we don't comment on anyone's body. So that's so fascinating. I think parents often need help kind of knowing what to say. Parents are so worried about their kids growing up with body image issues. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how Mackenzie, like, how do you help parents who maybe come to you with those concerns? Yeah, I think so much of it starts honestly with just like doing, you know, as much as you can, sort of your own reflection of like yeah. what are those like what is coming up for you. So it's often if I'm working with a teen client um, who's struggling with some body image concerns and they're hearing things at home, I'm going to be talking to mom or dad about like, Hey, if I say like, you know, maybe thin isn't always better. Right. Um, what comes up for you? Because so much of it is just automatic, right? Like once again, none of us are immune to the messaging that we receive. Um, Mm -hmm from our culture, from media, from whoever, right? We're all receiving that message. Um, I just think the difference is, especially with folks in fat bodies, is that like we're living in the body that you've been told to sort of fear or not want to be. Um, And so especially in my work with parents, like that is something I focus on of what what is coming up for you Um, and helping them do some of that own work, some of that own investigation too. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to share this. Sam and I were talking before you hopped on, Mackenzie, just about like kind of like the fear of saying the wrong thing um, when we're in front of people or when we're on this podcast. What would you encourage a parent, a family member, a spouse, a partner? Um, yeah. What would you encourage them to say or to happen after they feel like they've said the wrong thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think especially if it's someone that you have a close relationship with, if it's someone that you love and that you care about their relationship is to like check in with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see like, Oh, Hey, I said that. And maybe I, maybe I think it may have come off wrong. Like, what did you hear? Right. Um, or even just like owning up to like, Hey, I said that and I didn't really mean that. Can I try it again? Um, and so being able, and then being able to hear from the, the person in your life, like whether it's a person in larger body or whomever, right. That comes from like a different, that may have different privileges than you do to just be able to sit and hear that what you said may have upset them. Mm -hmm. Just making space for that. It's like, how did that land on you? And yeah. being open to whatever the answer is, mm-hmm. being yes. able to yeah. tolerate that. That's, that's the hard part. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So um, I'm curious, Mackenzie, there are so many body image movements that the media is reporting on. Let's see if I can name them all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm on Jeopardy. Okay. Hang on. Body acceptance, body mm-hmm. neutrality, body positivity. Yep. Uh, what am I missing? Body liberation. Yep. Are there any other ones? Body. Is body body respect? Is that one of them? That sounds like it's one. Body yeah. respect. Yeah. I think we just invented a body image movement on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can we break these down? And I think there's a lot of confusion, especially because. Let's not forget there are influencers out there who mm-hmm. have used some of these terms, these movements, and and I think have completely misrepresented them. I know yes. body positivity, for instance, has been 
stolen, literally mm-hmm. stolen. I mean, companies steal it, you yes. know, influencers steal it. So maybe let's let's set the record straight here on All Bodies, All Foods. What are these <laughs> movements? Yeah. Who do they belong to? And how do we use them in practice? Or how do you use them in practice? I think it totally. is probably a more interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am like an absolute huge history nerd. So I love talking about like the beginnings of, of body and, and really fat liberation movements and how that transformed into body acceptance movements that we kind of see today. Um, it's really no surprise that the current like body positivity movement has lost a little of its origin story. Um, like you said, having been kind of claimed by Instagram influencers, um, but really the body positive movement was founded with the fat accepted movements of the 1960s. And so when I'm working with my clients, we spend a lot of time honestly talking about the difference between these movements and what it means for the individual. Um, Specifically, when we're talking about body image concerns or eating disorders with fat clients, um, it's important to kind of tease apart what is like an individual experience and what is likely tied to like the culture that we exist in. So like for the individual, we are seeking oftentimes like body neutrality. So that's where we're headed, right? To be sort of body neutral. Um, When we are talking about like what it means to be like exist in the group to desire body positivity um, because that's a movement beyond just one person, right? That's an activism effort. And so I see a lot of these as a difference between like what is perhaps activism and what is like individual work. So um, like I said, body positivity really started as an activist movement and, and still is an activist movement. Whereas perhaps body acceptance is going to fall with like an individual in the works that you're doing um, with your therapist, with your dietitian, with your whoever, um, like as an individual to just sort of be neutral about the body that you exist in. Mm, that makes that's, so much sense. Yeah, that's yeah. a really great perspective to look at that at the activism collective piece versus mm-hmm. the individual, what is going on within my existence piece. Yeah. So Mackenzie, is I'm some of our listeners might be wondering is there a difference between body positivity and fat positivity? Are those terms interchangeable? Are there differences? Totally. Um, I will give this with a caveat. To me, they do feel interchangeable, right? Because like I said, body positivity was born of the fat liberation movement, right? That's where it came from. Um, I think if you're talking to sort of the masses, um, though they would not necessarily put those two things together. Um, but for me, they are born of the same sort of, um, sort of movement. And what are some of those pillars, Mackenzie? Like what are some of the foundations of like that body positivity and fat liberation movement? Yeah. So, I mean, that is going to look like, um, noticing, focusing on weight discrimination, which is really where, the movement was born in the 1960s. Um, so one of the the sort of founders of the body positivity movement of the, the fat liberation movement um, had found out that his wife was basically being discriminated against. And so he organized what they called a fat in. Um, and so he had other fat folks join at like a particular place and sort of sit with um sit with everybody and they were like eating and just really existing in their bodies. Um, And so like putting 
to be able to notice like weight discrimination um, was really what that movement was kind of born of. And it is one of the pillars of of that movement. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is like the idea of sort of fighting against uh, what the cultural norm is currently, which is that there is a good or bad body. Um, Right. And removing this idea that like, nah, there's just bodies. (laughs) Yeah. And I even think the way that you're explaining that is also kind of like sometimes when I think of body positivity or when my clients think of that, I think they think that they have to be in love with Mm -hmm. their body all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit to that, Mackenzie? (laughs) Doesn't that sound exhausting? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, and I think that to me sort of goes back to the like body positivity versus like body neutral, right? Like once again, for, for my individual person that I'm working with, like really just being neutral of the idea that some days I'm really going to like the body I exist in. Some days I'm not going to like it at all. And then hopefully most days I'm waking up just being like, Oh yeah, this works like, or, or even if it doesn't work in the way it should, right? Like this is just a space that I exist in. Um, And so that is the work with clients. It's like, Hey, for an individual, you do not have to wake up every day and love your body. Um, Mm -hmm. That we wouldn't ask you to do that of like, most things, right? Um, yeah. Think of it as a relationship, right? Like some days you're going to wake up and your partner is going to really annoy you, right? <laughs> you still want to have a good relationship with them. Um, same yeah. thing with with body, right? Like I don't have to be in love with it um, to still really participate even in the body positivity movement. Hmm. That is so helpful. I love that. <laughs> I do yes. Too. So this has just got me thinking. What are some ways, Mackenzie, people can work on developing a better relationship with their body? Do you have any practical advice for mm. listeners out there? Because when you just said, oh, when some days we wake up and we're like really annoyed with our body, I'm sure there's so many people out there like, yes, tell me, tell me what to do. What do I do when that yeah. happens? Yeah. Are there ways that you take care of yourself or ways you help your clients take care of themselves? Just curious. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I love doing specifically, um, is if I'm finding that I'm in one of those moods where it's like, Oh my God, I just don't like nothing fits like it feels right on my body or whatever. Um, to just kind of stand in the mirror and do a body scan and to say just simply neutral things. I have red hair. I have blue eyes. Uh, my hair touches the top of my shoulders and really just go from like top to bottom. Um, and you don't want to be positive or negative, right? Cause it can bring you back to center. So for those days that you're not feeling great about it, you have a neutral thing that you can come to, right? People talk oftentimes about like their stomach, their belly, right? If there's days that like, I'm just feeling really disconnected from that part of myself to be able and look and say like, you know what, my stomach connects my, my upper half to my lower half. And that's all you mm-hmm. can get out for the today or for the day. It is a neutral comment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's just what you need to kind of pull to is like, how do I just observe what I have going on with neither positive nor negative kind of thoughts behind it? Right. Well, th- this reminds me a lot of the exposure work we do with the mm-hmm. UT. And it's really about getting, well, part of it is about getting away from avoidance. I think the Mm -hmm. instinct is like, if I'm not feeling good about my body, I'm just going to avoid it completely today. 
Yeah. But what if we can approach it in a different way, in a neutral yeah. way, and just be yeah. able to tolerate whatever sort of comes up and just practice that non-judgmental thinking, which takes a little bit of extra effort when you've been judging your body your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think really tapping into like, if I'm finding that something sort of continues to come up for me, um, Mm -hmm. where am I hearing that messaging from? And sometimes just investigating like, Ooh, whose voice am I hearing that in? Is it my voice? Is it my mom's voice? Is it, um, you know, the chick I follow on Instagram's voice? Like, who am I hearing this particular criticism in? And maybe how can I respond, um, it respond in that sort of way? Right. Who have I internalized? Who's living in my head? This is not me necessarily. Mm -hmm. This is someone who has taught me something and I've taken it in as my own. That's Mm -hmm. so powerful because it can feel like true. Your thoughts can feel so true. It's like you have a thought about your body and it's like, well, this is clearly the truth. It's coming from my brain. It must be true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about, um, those or or just anyone really that maybe like so in that activity I love that activity Mackenzie yeah. I think it's incredible and I am just thinking of a number of people that might be fearful of even looking in the mirror yeah. and so and I know like yes at Renfrew and with our unified treatment model we really want to target avoidance patterns and help shift those behaviors right and that just feels like such a scary step for somebody that might be having that experience do you yeah. have any you know pro tips suggestions mm-hmm. Um, for somebody who's kind of easing themselves into this experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the first things that I encourage my clients to do or really anyone that I'm sort of working with is as you are sort of starting into this journey of just like connecting with your body, right? So working on that body image is to clear out your social media of Mm. people who don't make you feel good and then to follow people specifically who look like you. Um, It helps to normalize, normalize your own body when you see other people existing in bodies like yours. And so one of the first questions I always ask folks is, do you have other fat friends? Um, And it's really surprising how oftentimes they don't, right? Um, And so being able to be with people, uh, whether it's through social media or friends that you have who exist Mm -hmm. in bodies that look like yours, um, even Mm -hmm. if you both are struggling in a moment, right? Like it doesn't mean you both have to like, there's no accountability, but just being able to exceed that like people exist that look like me. um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is a, a wonderful sort of activity to just be sort of, yeah, inundated with like my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I have to tell you that I get all the good feels when I see Lizzo on Instagram. Yes. It just makes me <laughs> so happy, right? Like, yes. like hers is one of the accounts that I yeah. write. Like that brings me so mm-hmm. much joy and um, normalizes all of the bodies, right? I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And even finding like one of my favorite things to do is I love fashion. And so I'll yeah. absolutely go find people who have like my similar body type that are fashion influencers because I promise they are out there. Um, yeah. 
even just to see like, oh, that looks really cute on her. So like, perhaps like that would look really good on me. Right. Um, and so even that is sort of empowering because it's like, okay, yeah, like look at this person being styled and like, you know, looking amazing, um, in, in those, in that body that also looks like mine. Yes. That is wonderful. Oh, I love that. I I just heard a talk by Virgie Tovar, and Mm -hmm. she was saying how important it is. It just reminds me of what you're saying because, you know, to not only follow people who look like you, but follow people who look like you who are enjoying life. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, Mm -hmm. loving life, loving their relationships, just loving all parts of their, their lives across different domains, how important that is. Because yeah. the media really doesn't do a good job showing all body sizes having mm-hmm. fun in life. Mm-hmm. Do you have thoughts about that, Mackenzie? That is such a good question. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that. Uh, but because, yeah, like I think, I think being able to see someone in your body shape or your body size living a life that really you you either have or hope to have, right. That you're working towards, um, it's kind of like hashtag goals, right. If we're talking about social media. (laughs) Um, and I think it's important too, to like kind of add on to that as well is to like follow folks who are bigger than you, right. Follow folks who are in larger bodies. If you're in like a straight size body or, um, but like there are plenty of amazing, um, larger fat activists, um, that I think like is important to follow too, because it's no, it helps to normalize that like these bodies exist in all types. Um, and then I think too, like when we're talking about media and media consumption, it's finding those people who are, um, not just sort of typically feeling the like fat trope that we typically see, right. They, they are in funny roles and they're like the funny side character or, um, you know, find like, um, trashy romance novels that have, you know, fat characters, the main character, they are out there. Um, there are TV shows now that like are, are positioning, you know, fat characters, the main character where they get to experience romance and they get to experience like, you know, um, success in a career or whatever it might be. Um, and so finding those characters that you really identify with too in media, I think can be really empowering. I think just to touch on that, I think I saw an article the other day. Isn't Disney coming out um, with a new character? I don't know the movie. I don't know anything. Yeah. Um, but she's in a fat body and she's yeah. not a villain because, you know, like so many of the other characters that they've had in the past that were in fat bodies were villains mm-hmm. or um, kind of what you were saying, they were unhappy or kind of just fit this mm-hmm. stereotype. Right. But yeah. like the, the heroine of their story now, yeah. um, you know, is a character that exists in a fat body. I don't know anything yes. above that. I just happened yeah. to see that in a, in an article the other day, but yeah, I haven't, I've seen that um, advertised. I have not watched the trailer yet, but yeah, she's, I okay. think she's a little um, like ballet dancer. Um, which I think is, is wonderful. It it is right. Yeah. Wonderful. Mackenzie, who do you have some, um, uh, examples of accounts that people can follow of Mm. your favorite body positive, fat positive activists? Yeah. Um, so 
I figured you would ask me this and my brain would go like totally blank because uh, it always does. <laughs> um, but my two, so probably my two favorites that I often give people, um, one of them is Aubrey Gordon, which is uh, mm-hmm. your fat friend on Instagram. Um, she's also one of the co-hosts of Maintenance Phase, which is a phenomenal podcast about wellness um, and has written a couple of books Um that I think are really great too. Um, so Aubrey is wonderful. And then um, there is a woman, her name is Danny, and I cannot think of her last name right now, but she is on Instagram as Amma Pound Cake. <laughs> so AMA Pound Cake. Um, and she is an amazing woman, in uh, a black woman in a fat body that is doing a lot of really cool activism work as well. Wonderful. I know people are always looking for resources, whether it's people to follow, podcasts to listen to, books to read. Do you have any yeah. books that um, that you would recommend? Yeah. So like I said, Aubrey Gordon, she's also an author. Um, her most recent book, she has a new one coming out, but her most recent one is What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. Um, and that's a wonderful one. Um, and then, uh, oh my goodness. I have so many. I also have like a referral uh, Google spreadsheet. Should anybody want it? Um, I can link that to y'all. So if you want to share with people um, that has all of the books, even like, uh, like I said, there's plus size, um, there's fictional books that also have plus size characters that I have a list of. Um, So I'm happy to kind of send that over to y'all as well. Oh, that would be great. I would love that. Yes. Yes. Mackenzie, if somebody wanted to follow you or connect with you, how are we able to do that? Yeah. Um, so I've got some some things coming up, but right now Instagram yeah. uh, Instagram is probably the easiest way, which is at mckenziefox.lpc. Um, and then I am also launching a body image coaching business. Um, and so the website there will be embodied, which is M, just the letter M, M-B-O-D-I-E-D dash coaching.com. Um, and so you can check me out both of those ways. Uh, I'll have resources there, um, for, for folks. Embodiedcoaching.com. We'll definitely pop that up on the information for the podcast. What can, what can people expect from, if they signed up for body coaching, what would that look like? Yeah. Um, so it gives me, like I said, I'm a therapist by trade, but it gives me a little bit of the ability to sort of step outside of like a therapeutic office. Um, and so with that, I'm hoping to help people as they're navigating situations that might be difficult, um, as you're working through like your own body liberation. Um, so if clients might need help prepping to go to like a doctor's office and they're in a fat body, like how can we prepare? Do you need an advocate to kind of go with you and, and help advocate for yourself? Um, or folks who are um, going shopping and like they're pretty new into like early into recovery of like what is it like to go into a store and try clothes on when you may be may or may not be the size that you once were, um, yeah, and helping them advocate in those ways. Going out to to dinner, um, which sometimes can be like very triggering for folks who are um, in larger bodies, and so like how can you still have that experience and work through it? You know, work through that. Hmm. That would be so helpful to so many people. It, not only the, just having the emotional support, but also the skills. Yeah. I feel like advocacy right. skills are not 
taught mm-hmm. enough about how to advocate for yourself in yeah. places where you experience weight stigma or discrimination. Mm-hmm. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, tell me what to do. What do I do? And that's yeah. so helpful to people to have those. I'll add on to that too of like, you know, from an advocacy standpoint, if you are in a position of privilege, right, to advocate for your friends and families or clients that may not be in that position of power. So like asking for what they might need or even anticipating some needs could make a world of difference. Um, you know, if your your friend tells you that the restaurant that you're going to likely doesn't have booths they'll fit into, be the one that asks to sit at a table instead. Um, yeah. They're less likely to, to make assumptions about you um, than your friend in a fat body. And so advocacy work doesn't mean going out and starting like a revolution or a protest on your own. Um, it can simply be the impact that you're making with the privilege that you have for those people in your life that you, you love. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of advocacy work, Mackenzie, I know you've kind of, you've been in this field for a while. What does your advocacy work look like? I, I also know you're, you provide body image workshops, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, but, um, yeah. What, what kind of does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so I think for, for my own life and for my own work, I kind of think, think of it as in like three different phases. Um, and that's like educate, investigate, advocate, <laughs> um, I love that. talked about the advocacy, but unlike the education piece, um, helping people, especially once again, if they're not in fat bodies, seek out and listen to like fat educators about the topic. Um, the national national association to advance fat acceptance, um, is a great website to start. Um, the association for size diversity, um, and health is another great one. Like we said, following fat content creators. Um, one of the first things, like I said, I encourage my clients to do is to, to really follow, people who look like you on social media who are existing in your size body and larger um, because it helps create that sense of normalcy. Um, And for me, that's one of the things that I try to do of like putting myself out there and in the body that I exist in, whether that's me working out and how does it look uh, for a person in a fat body to work out? Um, How does it like, what is it like to just exist um, in this body? Um, And then for the investigate, I think that might be the most important one. Mm-hmm. for like my sort of three pillars that I work with. And that's investigating your own biases when it comes to different body types. Um, you might love or be friends with folks in larger bodies, but if the idea of switching places for them with a day gives you like a certain reaction, um, there's probably some Ooh, bias yes. Um, I think it's important that people also recognize the privilege that they have in thin bodies, especially when it also comes in the form of other like privileges of being white, cisgender, able-bodied, because all of those things are really going to feed into um, sort of the the privilege that you also have in your voice, right? Um, So I am in a fat body, but I am also a cisgendered, straight-passing white woman. Um, And so with that allows me a lot of privilege to speak out. Um, And I think for me, it's important to, to do that education for people who perhaps may not be as listened to. I love that. So you said educate, advocate, investigate, or did I get backwards? Uh, Educate, investigate, advocate. Educate, investigate, advocate. I love it. Thank you. Wonderful. This episode has had so many wonderful resources, so much great information. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. 
And thank you so much to our listeners for joining. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Mackenzie Fox. If you loved it, please support us by subscribing, rating, leaving a review, and sharing with others. And if you want more, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Our handle is at Center. For free education, events, trainings, webinars, resources, and blogs, head over to our website, www.renfrewcenter.com. And if you have any comments or questions you'd like us to answer in a future episode, be sure to email them to podcast at renfrewcenter.com. I hope you join us again next time. Thank you for listening with us today on All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We're looking forward to you joining us next time as we continue these conversations.